Good to be back with you. I was wondering if people were going to sneak out during meet and greet after that men's ministry announcement. <laughs> sure you want to stay for the rest of this? <laughs> oh, we, uh, we enjoy a good laugh around here. It's, it's good to rejoice and laugh together, amen? amen. Right? It, it, sometimes, uh, it's not that uh, we're not serious about the relationship with the Lord, but sometimes I think in our walk with Jesus, we, we tend to confuse serious with somber. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. We, we genuinely love to celebrate the Lord, celebrate who we are in Christ, celebrate all that He's doing in our lives and in this church, and, and it's okay to laugh. It's okay to sometimes poke fun at, each, at ourselves, really, at each other. Um, and then there's times when, when we focus and we, and we listen to the Lord, and, and that's, that's a privilege we have every Sunday uh, to be here. Thank you for everyone who helped and shared last Sunday. I heard incredible uh, things about the testimonies that were shared and certainly celebrated all that God did this past summer. Amen? Wow, what, what a summer. What a summer. And we spent the summer looking at uh, biblical one-anothers, right? How God's kids are supposed to get along in this thing we call church. And, and thank you for those who asked uh, about my time away. I wasn't here last Sunday, if you didn't know. And, and uh, Tyler reminded me, he said, you know, when you leave and you're not here for a Sunday, most people assume you're gone for like two weeks. When I was really gone for three days and um, really went to go see my mom. In San Diego, but I hadn't seen in several months, and so I left here Thursday night, got there almost midnight, and, you know, so I called, it wasn't really a vacation, it was more like a blip, blip, you know, and then I came back before the traffic on Labor Day, uh, but it was good, it was good to catch up with mom, and, and sometimes when you're away uh, from the weekly preaching and the responsibilities around the church, you get a fresh perspective, and kind of go, right, how many of you have ever had those moments where you just need to go, whether it's a vacation. How many of you actually come back from vacations more tired than when you left? <laughs> because you were like the cruise director, program director, you tried to fit it all in, you're gonna maximize a couple, was it two summers ago, three summers ago, we, we had a chance as a family to go to, to Kauai. And I didn't know if we were ever gonna be back. So we were there for like four days or something. And I figured we were gonna maximize. <laughs> we were up before the sun. Because we had to get to the things before all the crowds show up. And we were out moving, moving, moving. And we would get back like at 10 or 11 to wake up at 5 a.m. <laughs> so we could enjoy this vacation. <laughs> right? By the end, they're like, Dad, we're in Hawaii. We haven't even been to the beach yet. <laughs> right? And I think sometimes in life, we're like that. Even with vacations, we've become so programmed. And life is so rapid. We live in this sort of constant state of hurriedness. Hurriedness. And I'm not saying it's bad, but you just hurry. And it's, and it's hard even, even here to sit without thinking about what you're going to do next. Right? It, it, it's, it's, it's challenging in, in our culture, just the way we're so wired. Right? A while ago I had to make a conscious effort to not wake up and grab my phone to check my emails and my texts that might have appeared overnight. First thing, right? Because I keep it right here. I use it. My phone is my alarm, so the alarm goes up. Boom. Okay, let's just scroll. Let's just do a quick scroll. And right away, I'm into hurry. I'm into work mode. 
Let's do this. Got a lot to do. Got a lot to do today. Right? Don't want to don't want to waste, right? Don't want to waste it. Let's just get going. And if we're not careful, that hurriness, the pace of life seeps into our relationships in the church. And two weeks ago I you know shared how we, we emails used to be the thing, right? And now we've gotten to texting because we don't have time to talk anymore. It's just too too involved. So we text. And then I share with you my favorite uh, shortcut is this. Right? This covers a lot of ground. I can get five different texts on five different subjects, and all I have to do is this. And message received and sent, and it was clean, and you know. Where does that come from? Right? How many of you remember the days when there was none of this stuff? Right? How did we get along? We were amazed when we had pagers. Remember when the pagers came out? Ooh. We didn't check the number, right? Right? Pagers. How did we get along when we had none of this mobile stuff and all we had was a landline? And, and, and maybe an answering machine. Remember those answering machines? Right? That's why I like going, you know, my mom, I love my mom. She still has an answering machine. I, I love it. Hey, mom, what's up? You know, then screening the calls. That was right. Screening the call, and then we get we just uh, and then something like this, we're just amped, constantly amped, and then throw all the responsibilities of life, and then we're like this when things are good, and then suddenly things aren't so good, and then we're really what I call redlining, right? We're, we're just in a constant sort of. Red, that's all right. We're, we're here, right? And what happened? What happened? And, and, and I was thinking through this, praying through this, in light of one another. Because if we're called to one another, right? We look at this summer: love, accept, forgive, carry one another's burdens, right? Admonish one another. What is the key if we're going to one another uh, in this church family the way God wants us to? That takes time. It's built on relationships, so if I'm going to one another, that takes time. And where am I going to squeeze in this one anothering? Right? Where are we going to squeeze that in? And, and, and my concern sometimes is, is in, in our hurriedness, we're just trying to fit God into our hurriedness because we just got to get it done. And now God's an add-on, and it's more like, hey God, I got all this to do. Can you just come with me? Jump on in. Right? And we gotta we gotta be very careful about this whole shh. Because it affects our one another's. It affects our one another and our relationships. Uh, even our desire for relationships. Sometimes we just whew, we're driven. We're driven. And my hope and prayer is we move into the fall. And maybe a start will be Sunday mornings. You know, we're, we're going to do some things on Sundays. And my prayer for us as a church family, that, that honestly, Sunday mornings, maybe there's one time in your life, maybe you'll just make a decision. I'm coming to the Lord's house to focus on the Lord and the Lord's family. And maybe, I don't know, maybe some of you do this. Maybe you just leave your phones in your car. 
at least they not have it on me. <laughs> Turn them off completely. Don't just put them on silent. Don't bring them. How do you get along? Right? Think of it just that some of you are already like, leave it in the car. But what if I need your church? Right? The, what I love and, and I, I've watched and, and you know, we invite you uh, after service into the what we call the commons, and there's donuts and coffee and refreshments. What I really enjoy watching and observing is, is for the most part, when you when you transition from here to there, uh, you don't flip on your phones. You you genuinely are one another and loving one another. And I encourage you, please continue to do that. I, I know, I know, it's tough. How many of you you're at the waiting room for any second? Vaughn's doctor. What do you do? Right? Immediately, we're kind of like addicted to this. Oh gosh, I gotta wait 30 seconds. <sighs> and what does this sort of even communicate to others when we do this? Not only am I dealing with my anxiety of not knowing what to do with myself anymore, we're sort of communicating to others, leave me alone. Right? I, I just, I, I'd rather be here. Rather than at Bonds, while we wait, we just, hey, how you doing? How's your day going? Maybe we should have a conversation in, in the line of moms. Just start talking to one another. Right? Maybe, maybe the next time, try this, try this before the sun goes down. You go, be somewhere, experience the, the anxiety of falling, and don't, don't, don't go there. Just sit there. Just sit there. Just sit there. And here's the thing. Look. Just look around. See the scenery. Enjoy the people watching. Just sit there, take a deep breath, and be. Try that. Try that sometime today. When you when you feel that. Even at home. Right? Try it. Just, you know, we talk, we often equate fasting with food. Fast on your phone for a day. Okay, an hour. <laughs> start, yeah, start baby steps. Baby steps. It's real. It's real. I was, I've been reading a book on a, uh, written by a PhD uh, who has dealt with addictions uh, her whole career, and, and she's written a book on the addiction to speed meaning the speed of life. It is seen as literally and manifests the same uh, characteristics and the same obsessiveness and the same <coughs> challenges as drugs, alcohol. Speed. I can't stop. I can't stop. I can't stop. I can't stop. And it's, it, it's coloring everything, including relationships in the church. If we're not careful... One of the things that I like still is that when we do church here, it's sort of like still an agreed no no cell phone except for now we've gone to the digital, so everyone you know you turn on. So have you ever how many of you here use a Bible on your phone, tablet? Anyone ever sneak an email check? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. 
back to? By golly, a paper Negro. <laughs> For your sake, if it's, if it's too tempting, if you just can't put it away, then there's an issue that you have to be honest with before the Lord. Because we're in God's house. We say we're in the house of the Lord. Let us, I rejoice with those that said, let us go to the house of the Lord. We're in the presence of God. We believe, amen? amen. We believe that. And yet in the presence of God, I can't help but check for a text or an email. In the presence of God. We don't think that that's going to affect our one anothering. If, if this is affecting the one anothering this way, for sure it's going to come out this way. And, and I'm not harping on, but you got to be aware. You got to be really aware of what's really going on, right? Because it's going to affect it. I know we can preach till we're blue in the face, one another, one another, one another. But if in your life we're so wrapped up in speed and technology that we don't even want one another outside of here. <laughs> thinking about this uh, story. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 10. Luke 10, it's a familiar passage. Story of two sisters, Martha and Mary. Luke 10, we'll eventually start reading in verse 38. passage, and I know if you're familiar with Martha and Mary, you know, one sister was really busy, another sister was sitting at Jesus' feet, we tend to sort of just say, well, it's about busyness and priorities. Yeah, it's there. It's there, but, it, but I think to really understand uh, what Jesus was, was getting at is, is we have to understand the context of this, this story and the context of Luke. So what has happened is, is this story takes place when Jesus is in the final six months of his ministry on planet Earth. And in this final six months, he's kind of zigzagging his way through Samaria and the, and the different cities. He's kind of zigzagging his way on his way to Jerusalem. And primarily he's focusing on teaching. And his teaching is focusing on discipleship. What it means to follow him. Okay, that's, that's important. That, sometimes we just isolate these stories and we tend to just focus on, well, this is what it means. Well, in the bigger context, this story of Martha and Mary goes into discipleship as a whole. Right? That's what he's been teaching on in, at the start of this six-month journey. And, and he comes to this home. Let's read it. Luke 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village. That village would be Bethany. It's about two miles away from Jerusalem. Where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. 
Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Right? So Jesus and his entourage, okay, so Jesus plus 12, some people think even more than 12, upwards of several, 20, 30, they, this was a big group. They show up at Bethany, the home of Martha, they believe Martha owned the home, was a homeowner, right? She welcomes him as entertainment. It was a good thing. It was a good thing. Hey, Jesus, hey, come on in, bring everyone in, bring everyone in. It's a wonderful event. It's, it, it's a good thing. Right? It says, Martha opened her home to him. So she opens it. Hey, come on in, come on in, come on in. Right? So we don't know how many, but they all crowd in. Right? And then it says, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So Jesus, being a rabbi, he walks in. I don't know, finds the living room, sits down, and begins to just do what rabbis do. Teach. Martha has a sister named Mary, and apparently Mary chooses to listen to what Jesus is teaching. Now, what's interesting is that in the culture of the time, it says, it says here, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. That was culturally unacceptable for a woman to be sitting at the feet of a rabbi in that context. I was like, whoa, no, no, no. The, you know, the ladies, your place was back there and along the walls. So Mary decides, well, he's here. I'm just going to go sit at his feet and listen to what he says. Right? Look what happens. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So Martha, now again, this is not a bad thing. In the custom, the culture, the traditions, you welcome someone in, you take care of them. You're a good hostess. You Hospitality, you feed them, you take care of them, you welcome them in, right? So Martha, with the desire to, to do right, out of her love for Jesus, out of sincere motive, sincere motive, we're not, we're, this is not throwing stones at Martha's desire or intent, right? Culturally, historically, this is what she wanted to do. It was a good thing, right? But look what happens. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to, tell, to help me. Okay. Anyone ever have people to your house that required some preparation? And all you wanted was a little help. Just a little help from those in your household. Anyone? <laughs> and you get it all ready. And then people arrive. And you could just use a little more help to host the guests. Anyone? And some may find that their job is to host the guests by watching TV with them. <laughs> and have you ever been going about the hosting responsibilities? Kind of watching what's happening at the front part of the house. And have you ever started to rattle dishes? <laughs> 
Don't need help here. Just keep watching. No, no, no. Table, table's gonna set itself. No, don't need. No one needs to bring the the pitchers of water. No, no. It, I got it. Just keep watching the score. What's the score? Okay, thanks. Anyone's temperature ever start to rise? As you watched others, apparently, apparently, in their insensitivity to your gracious, self-sacrificial love, just not, not lift a finger. I've heard that. Lift a finger. Anyone? Were you just?
just like Martha, if we're not careful, when the focus is on all that we have to do, then it becomes all about me. And God and the church and one anothering kind of either takes a second back seat or we just see if we can fit it in. Because I'm, I gotta go. I gotta go. Even, and then go back to Martha, even with the right motives. She loved Jesus. She wanted to fulfill the custom and tradition. It was nothing bad about it. So what's really going on? Is this just about readjusting priorities? What's really going on here? Right? I've shared with you before this sort of continuum that, that's helped us in our transformation. It's beliefs, thoughts, emotions, and actions. Right? And, I, and I've shared with you where, where you and I have beliefs, some we know, some we not know we carry, which lead to thoughts, emotions, and actions. So let's apply this to the story. Martha carries this belief. A couple of beliefs. One of her beliefs is, well, custom and tradition says, I believe I need to do this, and this is the way we host people here. Okay, nothing wrong with that belief. Leads to thoughts, emotions, just carry on out. But she also has some beliefs about her sister. What does she believe about her sister? I believe my sister is lazy. I believe my sister is not carrying her fair weight. That leads to thought, that leads to emotion, that leads to actions towards her sister. She has some beliefs about Jesus. She has some beliefs about Jesus now. It's all revealed in her words. She believes Jesus doesn't care. That leads to thoughts about Jesus, that leads to emotions about Jesus, and finally she, she just straight up accuses Jesus in front of everyone. You don't care. Churches, we tend to we tend to want to live right here. Actions. Well, Pastor, tell me what I need to do. How should I fix this? What, what you know? Give me some counsel. What do I need to do? In 28 years of ministry, what I've really learned is we have to ask, well, what do you really believe? Because if we just deal with the actions and, and we don't correct false beliefs, it's not gonna matter. Because ultimately, our beliefs are going to play out in what you do in your life, the decisions. I mean, you are here this morning because at some level you believe, many of you, you need to be, or you, this is helpful, or you want to be. You're here, your actions demonstrate that you are here out of a belief. There are people who are not here out of a belief. People do not believe, God doesn't care if I go to church or not. I don't need church. Church is for a week. Church is for this. If you see all the beliefs. So church attendance, great example. You're here really out of a belief structure. People are not here, same reason, out of a belief structure. So what is Jesus really dealing with in this passage? Look at this, look what he says to her. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Where is he challenging her? Her beliefs. Many versus one. It's a belief. She got so riled up. She got so riled up because she believed in many. And she was like, no, 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 no. You need to change your belief to one. 
it was at the belief level that he's dealing with here. Now here's the challenge for us, because we're like, okay, yeah, I get that. Here's the challenge for us, and even, even part of the, the challenge for Martha, here's what's really going on, and here's what happens in my life. Martha's problem, at the core, is that she doesn't think she has a problem. In fact, in Martha's worldview, who has the problem? Everyone else. Don't miss this. In this scenario, Martha is not the problem child in her belief. Martha believes that the problem lies where? Out there. You ever said this? If anyone, if everyone would just get with my agenda, things would go swimmingly in my marriage, with my kids, at work. If they would just line up and do it my way, just do it my way. I'm not the problem. for us is, is as we move into 
fall and, and you know, just the, the pace and the business of life. And we talk about one another, one another. Oh yeah, that's great, one another. And I appreciate everyone who's genuinely one another in here. But you and I have got to get to the place where we're willing to sit down at Jesus' feet and say, Lord, is it I? Is the root of this really me? It, it's, it's challenging. I mean, I, I'm guessing me like you, we, we have Martha moments. We have Martha moments. Like, I had a Martha moment this summer. Maybe a few of them. Here! This was, a, this was a challenging summer. Lots happening. A lot of the leadership traveling, uh, worship team traveling. I'm not going to Rockstead anyway. It's fine. It's life. I get that. But when I get tired, and then when I got tired this summer, I kind of started to have a little marthitude. <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, you go on that three-month hike. <laughs> and you, you, you go to Haiti. And let's go build a house. Yeah, you go. I, I got the fort. Uh, someone has to stay. Someone has to stay for church. So you know. Oh, and I'm not going to talk about the cruise line back there. But that's okay. You enjoy the cruise. I got, this. I got this. I got this. We got this. We have. But you don't know. Monday morning, I come in. It's quiet. Don't you care? <laughs> they're, they're, they're waltzing all over the world. They're, they're all you can eat buffets. He's talking to the animals. He's building houses. I don't know what they're doing. Don't you care? <laughs> you are worried and upset. About many things. I, I don't know. I, I wish I could be better. I wish I could say I got this tag down, but yeah, I was I was sporting the multitude at times this summer. You know? I'm a pastor, so worship team shows up for rehearsal, and it's, it's kind of like putting it together every week, and I just say, hey, how are you? <laughs> how are you, pastor? Good! How's your week? Fine. How's Bill doing? I don't care. <laughs> and the thought did cross my mind, like when he said he was coming back, I'm like, yeah! <laughs> I'm going to take credit for that prayer. <laughs> Don't hurt him too bad. <laughs> but we get there. Even in the good stuff, we can get there when our focus isn't right and when in the busyness of it, even for me. I don't I don't I don't take the time to sit at Jesus' feet. And I just get in to do it. Let's just do it. And many of you are like that. You you rise to the challenge. Instead of when a challenge presents, is presented to you, you actually go down and you say, Lord, what am I supposed to do with this? If you're like me, I'll click into the flesh and I rise up. And I, I get like this. And for weeks around here this past summer, I was like this. 
and I was redlining, right? And then I try to plan some time away, right? And I'm like, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? Oh, I haven't seen my mom. I go down, and I love my mom, but my mom likes to talk. <laughs> just catch me up on everything. So I get down there late Thursday, and we talk for the hours, and then Friday, we spend all day together talking. <laughs> Mom, if you're listening, I loved it. It was great. But I was tired. I was just tired. And, and, and through it all, through it all, the Lord's like, yeah, be real careful here, Martha. Because it's easy for me to, you know, hey, Mark. How was your summer? <laughs> And you just get this attitude, right? Like, because you're now resentful. Now I'm angry. Now I'm keeping score, right? Because it's about me and it's always me, and I got to carry this thing all by myself. But we all get that like that in our life. And and you know we have around here we call it a come to Jesus, and I had a come to Jesus moment, and he's like, uh, excuse me, who are you again? And why are you doing this? And and I had to I had to park myself sit myself down and we had to have a chat. And, and I had to say, okay, man, where, where, how did I get there? Because I got there really quick. Summer started well, but before I knew it, I was, I was just, I was in a whole different place. And I realized, and I want to encourage you to do this, is that it's a choice you're going to have to make. It's a choice I have to make. Stay here. Or you can choose. Maybe the first thing is to turn off the phones. Carve out time to just sit at the feet of Jesus and find out his agenda for you. Because <laughs> maybe you got way too many things on that list. Maybe you just do. Maybe the many, honestly, is the one. And you need to start there and do that well. <laughs> right? The interesting part of the story is that, right, he says, he says, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Period. We don't know what happened, dude. Jesus confronts lovingly Martha in front of everybody. Martha served. 
While Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him, then Mary took about a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume she poured on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So apparently, everything was good. They had this big blow-up. And then six days before the Passover, he's back in the house, and Martha's serving. And Mary's anointing Jesus. So apparently it's fine. It's all good. And that's my encouragement to you. Maybe you're there. Maybe life has been like this. And you become angry and bitter and frustrated. And you're just constantly in this constant state of, oh, oh, oh. And maybe one of the reasons you don't want to stop might be pride. Another reason people don't want to slow down and turn off their phones and go sit with Jesus, honestly, you're scared. You're scared. You're afraid of what you might say, maybe. You're afraid of having you acknowledge that it is kind of your deal. That you've been off the mark for a long time. Sometimes, you know, it's not just people who are prideful and tightly and driven that can't slow down. Sometimes people don't want to slow down because they're scared that when they slow down, they're going to have to feel again. Feel. See one more like this? I acknowledge emotions, but I don't have to feel. I'm done with feelings. Some of us want to save you <coughs> because feelings scare us. They just scare us. And we don't know what we're going to do if it's quiet. And we have to take stock of where I am, or where my marriage is, or where my kid is, or my finances are, or where my honesty, where my relationship with God is. Maybe we're just dry out. Oh, man. I swear I might have to feel. But here's the glorious thing. It brings us a full circle back to one another. Because you don't have to do it long at the church. Amen? When you slow down long enough and you start to feel, and maybe you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. That is precisely when we need to reach out to one another. And you might be reaching out to someone not to give you counsel, not to necessarily, you know, cheer you on. Maybe you just need an ear. Maybe you just need a shoulder to cry on. Maybe you just need someone who will let you vent and, and let it all out and be raw. Because this is how I feel about this. That's part of one another. Is to be there for a brother and sister in Christ when they have chosen to sit at Jesus' feet and they're choosing to allow Him to bring their feelings back. Because that's a very vulnerable and very scary place for many. Because many of us, a long time ago, bought into this and we found out that we can function at a high level and get a lot done. We don't really have to feel or be in a relationship anymore. 
we just scooting through life. And along comes Jesus and says, Martha, Martha, it's you. And actually, you can learn from your sister because she's doing really what's needed, first and foremost, sitting at my feet. Sitting at my feet. In the 1970s, uh, some of you will remember uh, then-President Carter had a campaign uh, called People to People, where he would actually choose someone and they would, he would spend a night. The President of the United States, the most powerful man in the world, would spend a night in an average, ordinary American citizen's home, right? And I love that, and, and I came across this, this story of one that it happened in March 16, 1977, uh, the Thompson household, just uh, uh, Kate Thompson and her husband raising eight kids, just a regular Victorian home. But President Carter was going to spend the night. Was going to spend the night. The article says uh, Kate put out cheese and crackers, <laughs> tried to ignore all the men running around in dark suits, beige pieces, tiny microphones, right? Because the President of the United States is going to spend the night in their house. Now imagine if this was happening. Okay. She says, we're an average family. We'll do no more for the president than we would for any other guest. I don't know about you. But if it's a celebrity, you know, put in whatever genre. Somebody important and big is coming to your house. Some of you right now are going, <laughs> Right? You, you, right? They share stories. She had passed away and, and had built a friendship with President Carter and her kids had gathered for her memorial. They're sharing memories. They said they saw the most powerful man on earth put his feet up on their coffee table, spread out the morning newspaper, and make his own bed before eating a bacon and egg breakfast with them. Just, just be part of family, like a neighbor, right? They reminisced about their parents surrendering their bed, bedroom for the president. They installed a special red phone on their nightstand. Imagine that, right? And I love this. President Carter wrote a note for their 14-year-old, right? He says he wrote a note for 14-year-old Jane Thompson's teacher explaining her tardiness, and this is what President Carter wrote. Please excuse Jane for being late. She had a guest in her home. She had a guest in her home. What if Jesus wanted to be a guest in your home? What if the God of the universe said, I'm coming to your house today. Or some of you right now, I'm thinking how much in that place is. I'm making you dishes. You're freaked out already. You've gone Martha mode. You've already gone there. The God of the universe says, I want to come to your house. And you're ready to go into Martha mode. And, he, and, and what he's saying already to many of you is, and when I get there, I just want to sit with you. The God of the universe just wants to sit with you in your house. He doesn't care about the many things that you already are thinking. He doesn't care. What he really cares about is you. And spending time with you. The God of the universe. Not the President of the United States. We're talking the God of the universe. Amen? The God of the universe says, I want to be a guest in your home. 
you're going to stress out about and get wild up about, put it all aside and just come sit with me. And let's enjoy each other. Could you do that? Could you do that? See, it's hard for me, as much as I want to say, I would, I would love that. I was raised in my culture and upbringing. I'm, I'm the Martha. You host them. The house better be clean. We, I went home this past weekend, and my mom's living room, the one that you come in the front door, still untouched because it's the room that you bring guests to. The rest of the house can be a disaster, but we have what? The formal living room. Anyone? Right? You never sit on the couch. You never do anything in there. 99% of the time, it's not used for anything except for the potential visitor. If you don't have that, how many of you get the unexpected knock on the door? Oh, what are they doing here? How many of you have made the bad batch to clean? Somehow stalling at the door. Quick, quick. Some of you have a closet full from the last visitor. shows up and just wants to spend time with us and doesn't even care about what the house looks like. Even at this level. But we're so consumed with what people think about us. Because it's not right? The God of the universe, Jesus, wants to be a guest. I remember the church in Laodicea. He said, hey church in Laodicea, you're wealthy. You say you think, you don't need a thing, right? You're good, right? We'll close with this. He, he says, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth. I don't need a thing. This is the church. Very comfortable, right? Verse 17, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. What is he saying? The same thing he said to Martha. You're wrong. Hey, church. You say you don't need me. You say you're comfortable. You live in the Ojai Valley. You got it all together. You're on cruise control. And he says, hey church, you're wrong. You're wrong. You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Wow. You're wrong. That's all I say is you're wrong. You're wrong. And then what it says, verse 19. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I love that, right? It's the President of the United States. It's Jesus Christ. He says, if anyone... Here's my voice and opens the door. You gotta open the door. You gotta do something with this. He's knocking. Who is it? It's Jesus. What are you gonna do? He says, you open the door. You hear my voice and open the door. Beautiful things. I will come in, in and eat with them. He wants that fellowship. He just wants to enjoy coming with you. So question is. 
Are you willing to make the same choice that Mary did? To sit. To call time out. To feel. To sit. With Jesus. To sit with Jesus. Whether you may want. Walking with him for one day or 50 years. You're willing to sit with Jesus. J. Vernon when he says this, my frustrated, confused friend, are you at that corner of life where you do not know which way to turn? Then for goodness sake, sit down. Sit at Jesus' feet. Look in his word and see what he has to say. Just take time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Mary chose the best part. Let's pray to Lord, it's so hard to stop. Just so hard to stop. We are so amped. We are so wired. Even in the house of God, in the presence of God, we are racing. And that's why I'm thankful for today. This one. Where we can choose if we desire. To sit at the feet of Jesus. Not necessarily to
And yet he maneuvered. He took time away with his father. He was a man on mission, but he, he understood the priority of time and father. And time and father was carried into the busyness of life. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about, you know, selling everything and going to build a log cabin out in the middle of nowhere. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about choosing to sit at the feet of Jesus and embracing the fullness of your life by taking Jesus with you. Amen? Let's stand together. We talk about, <clears throat> it begins with our beliefs. And so we're going to sing a, a beautiful song that gives us a chance as a church family to reaffirm our core beliefs. Mm-hmm.